0: thought that Bridges were kind of kind of cool and, and really beautiful. But it wasn't until um, till I spent a summer living in the Twin Cities area that I really began to fully appreciate like the, the practical aspect of Bridges. I spent a summer where I was uh, doing a youth ministry internship at Bloomington Living Hope Lutheran Church in the Twin Cities, which is actually, they're actually a, a big part of what our, our multi-campus ministry is modeled after what Bloomington Living Hope does. They have a campus in Bloomington, they have a campus in Shakopee they actually have another campus in West Bloomington but the church offices they were in Bloomington and I was living at the time in Burnsville with a friend there and so between Burnsville and Bloomington even though there's not a lot of distance there is something significant in between the two is the Minnesota River and so to get from where I was staying to the office I had to take one of these three either highway 77, 35W or if I really wanted to go out of the way Highway 169. And the summer I worked, there just happened to be a summer that they were doing a lot of work on uh, Minnesota Highway 77. And I really discovered, man, you could tell when they were doing a lot of work on 77 because I usually went up 35W. And on the days that they were really closing on a lot of 77, you know what happened on 35W? Just gridlock. Right? And then you'd be sitting there in, in, in traffic, and sometimes there'd be an accident. And sometimes, you know, she'd so just be sitting there, and like Bloomington's just the other side of the river. The church isn't far away, but you're just sitting there stuck because there was this valley that needed to be crossed, this river that needed to be crossed, and that bridge to get across, but there, was, there were these obstacles. It was really hard to get there. Well, we as Christians have been given a new life of faith. Uh, at our Cottage Road Campus, we've been going through this series, and now we're going to pick it up here, where we've been talking about how Jesus, he died and he rose again, to give us new life for eternity, but also a new life now. There are new valuable foundational elements to the Christian walk of faith. But sometimes there's this thing, there are these things that can get in the way, and one of the things that can get in the way, it's like a river, it's like a valley, it's when somebody wrongs us, and somebody somebody has hurt us. It can be really hard for us to get across and to really live in this new life that God has given us. And today we're going to Talk about how we get across that valley of hurt and that valley of pain. Before we get to that, though, I just want to kind of bring you up to speed a bit on where, where we've been. With this series, we start off talking about the value of faith. See, when we were brought to faith, we were brought to faith in the fact that Jesus died for our sins and that he rose again. That means that when we were brought to faith, through faith, the mountain of our sin was taken and thrown into the sea. And now, with that mountain, because that mountain was thrown into the sea, the stone has been rolled away from a life of death, to now we have a new life of faith. And now we get to live powerful lives of faith, believing in the God who can move mountains. From there, we talk about the value of fellowship. Near that this really incredible reality, and it's actually one that's going to come up some in our sermon lesson today, is that as people who are brought to faith in Christ, each and every one of us has been made a holy place. You are cleansed. You are clean so that holy God dwells inside of you, which means when you gather with fellow Christians, we are gathering then together as a holy coming together of God. Because if you're a dwelling place of the Spirit, and if you're a dwelling place of the Spirit, and if God lives inside of you, and God lives inside of you, and inside of you, that means that when we come together, there's a whole big gathering of the presence of God. And you have never been in a holier place than when you have been surrounded by other Christians. It's the beauty of fellowship. From there, we talked about the value of family and how you and I, we are adopted into God's family. Jesus lived and died and rose again so that we could be children of God, so we could be brothers and sisters of Christ, and that makes us also brothers and sisters of each other. We are a big family. You belong in this family, which means it kind of reinvigorates how you look at your your own families and what we typically think about it, but it also means that no matter what's going on in your family, and families are sometimes challenging, the truth is you belong to God's family. And you are wanted and loved in that family. From there, we talk about the value of friendship. We need friends. We need people. It's interesting when you look at God's Word, and if you read the book of Proverbs, how often in that book, which is all about wisdom, and wisdom is about living well, how often wisdom comes alongside of friendship it comes alongside each other they come alongside each other so often that you can begin to see that what we really need to help us have wisdom and to help us live well is that we need people around us to talk with us to experience life with us sometimes to call us out when maybe we're going the wrong direction to encourage us when we need help to go the right direction we need people to help us live well and in jesus we have the ultimate friend because he's the one who sticks with us who stuck with us all the way to the cross Pay for our sin to not just help us live well but to give us real life that's just a quick summary of some of these beautiful values that we've had that we are given from our our new life of faith but today we're going to talk about a really really crucial really crucial value because with all these things all those values we just talked about it's hard to really embrace them if the bridge is blocked if the bridge over a valley of hurt is blocked it can be really hard to embrace all of those So today we're going to talk about this beautiful, important value of forgiveness. The lesson we have, it's Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 to 14. It says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Now this lesson is part of a letter that Paul wrote to the Christians in the city of Colossae. And Colossae is not a city we know quite as well, at least offhand with our, our maps and things. You might think, well, Rome can know where that is. So that's why I just wanted to show you. So you can see the, the, the red box down here. So it's down in kind of the area of what we call Turkey now. Um, it's a city there in that region in Asia Minor. As Paul writes to them, Paul is really in this letter encouraging God's people to see and embrace that they have been brought to this beautiful new close, up close and personal relationship with God. That God himself dwells inside of them, that he dwells inside of us, and that God has now brought us into this relationship where we can be these walking pictures of God. In this letter, Paul is really encouraging them and really encouraging us to see that there's an old way of life that we had before, but when you were brought to faith in Christ, you were brought to faith in the fact that he died. And so that old you, just like Jesus died on the cross, as far as God's concerned, that old you died too. This is not who you are. And just like Jesus rose again to new life, when you're brought to faith in Christ, you're connected to his resurrection, there is a new you. You have a new life. You have something better to live for. So take advantage of it. Take hold of it and live this new life. See, if you read through the letter to the Colossians, you can see it. Apparently, there were some different ideas and philosophies going around that were kind of attractive to people. But Paul points out they're actually really connected more to that old way than the new way. Recognize that they would actually take you back. Don't fall for those new philosophies. Step forward in the life that God has for you. Leave behind the old. Embrace the new. Which is why in the verses that lead up to our sermon lesson, you see Paul saying to put to death, and he lists a whole bunch of stuff. Stuff that doesn't have any business in the Christian life. He lists things like he says, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, put that to death. Uh, sexual immorality, put that to death. Impurity, put that to death. Lust after people or things, put that to death. Evil desires and greed, which is idolatry, because that means that it's taking a, a too big of a place in your heart, put that to death. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language, put that all to death. Lying to each other, put that to death. And then the last one, I kind of just grouped it together, Division. So this is from that background lesson that we read. And he goes through and says, no, there's no Jew or Greek or Scythian or barbarian. I didn't want to put that all on there. But basically, what Paul is saying is is whatever it would, that would divide you. So if before being a Christian, you were a Jew or a Gentile, don't let that divide you. If you come from a different ethnic background, don't let that divide you. If you're from a different social group now in your culture, uh, don't let that divide you. Maybe we would apply that now today as we think of, Socioeconomic groups or maybe different political groups within Christians, don't let that divide you. Don't speak harshly of each other, even if you have differing viewpoints. Don't let there be division within the church. Cast that out. That all has to do with the old. You have been brought to a new life. And our lesson today really is showing us the beautiful new way we get to live. And central to how we get to live as Christians is this value of forgiveness. See, as we get into our lesson, he says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, you just got to pause here for a minute because this verse, just if you ever need to stop and like, if you reckon, if you've ever sensed yourself feeling like full of shame or beating yourselves up, this is a verse to go to. Because first of all, it says that you are chosen or literally says God has called you out. So God has, you're not just in church because you belong to a church or because your family raised you to this church. Those things are contributors. But if you believe in Jesus, it's because God chose you. He has said, I want you. He has looked at you and he said, I choose you to be holy. This has to do with what we were mentioning before, right? How we are each a sacred space. As far as God's concerned, you are clean and pure Because remember, he says that his spirit dwells inside of you, and God can't dwell in an impure place. You are so pure in God's eyes that he lives inside of you. So you are chosen, you are pure, and you are dearly loved. He looks at you and he says, and actually the Greek word is agape. You are someone who is agape by God. It's that beautiful word for love. You are chosen, you are holy, and you are loved. That's who you are. That's where you find your identity, first and foremost, is in how God sees you. Now, someone who is chosen, who is holy and loved, we're encouraged then to clothe ourselves. So you think about, about putting on clothes in that same sort of way, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Just going to want to walk through each of these quick. Because each of these words, they are so beautiful. I mean, we could spend probably a sermon on each of them. We won't. Um, But each of these is just as beautiful. There's these beautiful illustrations here. The word compassion, it actually, when it says compassion, it literally says have bowels of compassion, which maybe seems kind of weird at first. Um, But the idea within Greek was that that where do you have your biggest emotions? Where do you, you feel them? Often in your stomach in your bowels area, right? So you have like butterflies in your stomach or whatever it may be. But it also, um, this is the word that was often used to, to, to translate from the Old Testament, the term, and that term didn't just refer to bowels, but also womb. It was a word that was often used for, to describe the way a mother feels about the baby in her womb. It's this beautiful, beautiful picture how there's this compassion and how there's this care that a mother would have for the child inside of her. Well, this term then is, is, is this picture is how we are to view each other. Have that same sort of genuine compassion and care. Have bowels where it's really, it's not just something you do in your head, but it's just something you sense and you feel at the core of you, where you care for each other. So have bowels of compassion, but then have kindness. Now, in our language, we tend to confuse kindness with being nice. You know, being nice is kind of just like having good minor, good manners. But kindness is being helpful. So it's where you're actually working to help others. Um, maybe another term would be like virtue, where it's, it's, it's a good thing, then also then it, it, it's beneficial. So seek out ways, not to just to be nice to each other. You know, sometimes you can be nice to people and not be kind. You know, because you're being nice when reality is, they actually, because you're just putting on a nice face, but they actually need you to help them right now. So being nice isn't the same as being kind. Be kind. Help each other out. Have humility. The, the, the biblical word humility, whenever you see the word humility, think low. Because that's literally what it means. Have a, be in a low position. And it actually here describes living in a low position and having your life kind of regulated. It's actually the, the word that we get the word diaphragm from, how that kind of regulates your breathing. The idea is that you, your whole life, is in a pattern where you put yourself in a low posture rather than a high. one. So when you think about helping people out, that last picture was good to help show, okay, I'm gonna help someone, but really the more accurate one when we think about humility is that you're gonna help somebody by getting beneath them. You're not gonna come, up, come towards them with pride you're gonna to come towards them with servanthood. Serve the other person. Take that low position before them. Practice humility. And then have gentleness. Put on gentleness. The word literally means mildness. So I think of I'm a hot sauce guy, um, which is funny because I grew up in this like classic German-Norwegian home where like spice was onion soup mix. Um, and cream of mushroom soup. Like that's just what we had on everything. And then I know, I married Greek, and she has a Mexican aunt, and next thing I know, like, just like, give me the, or the hot sauce. Like, just put it on, right? And so I really like spicy stuff. But if you're not a spicy person, or I think, like, my dad would, would never come close to spicy stuff, he, he wouldn't because it's just too much. It's hard to handle. It's, ugh, it's harsh, right? The idea here is to not be harsh, not be spicy. <laughs> be mild. Live and act in a way that isn't, isn't hard for people to. To, to handle, but where it's approachable. See, so each of these words are just such beautiful pictures with it. The next one, too, has it, too. Patience. The old kind of uh, King James word here would probably be long-suffering. Um, it's not a term we use very often anymore, so it makes sense they use the word patience, but it literally means basically to basically to, to have it be where it takes a long time for you to get really angry. So you're not quick-tempered, but you're kind of just... You're long suffering. You're you're willing to you kind of able to take that deep breath and allow it to just kind of go. Be long suffering. Take that time. Don't be quick to your temper, but be long suffering at each other. Put that on too. With all this, then bear with each other. Or more literally, the, the the word describes actually supporting each other, lifting each other up. So I think of like a competition cheerleading squad, right? How you've got this. Everybody's standing there, and they're all working together to support each other. This is the idea with this verse, is that as the body of Christ, you want to work together to lift each other up, and you support each other. It's a beautiful life we get to live as Christians. But all these beautiful directives would be for naught if we didn't get to the next one. Because... The next one has to deal with when people hurt us or we hurt somebody else. And when that happens, I don't have to tell you, it's awfully hard to show compassion and humility and all these things. As a matter of fact, what tends to happen is that valley, that distance between us and that person. So how do we get back to where we can really live in this life of faith? Let's dig into the next verse. It says, forgive whatever grievances you may have against There's a number of words in in, in scripture that are used for forgiving. Sometimes it's the idea of just like kind of letting something go or like releasing something or or, uh, seeing a debt canceled over. But here, the word actually means, most literally means to be gracious to each other. So to really understand this word, we need to understand what it means to be gracious. And thankfully, the Bible Project guys put together a great video to help us dive into this
1: you tried to describe what God is like, it could be difficult or daunting. But when the people who wrote the Bible pondered the mystery of God, they consistently described God's character in this way. Compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, overflowing with loyal love and faithfulness. We're going to look at the second key word in this statement, gracious. The Hebrew word is chanun, which is related to the Hebrew noun chen. This word, chen, is often translated as grace or favor. And if you study how this word is used throughout the Bible, you find a fascinating story. One meaning of chen is delightful or favorable. In the Psalms, a skilled poet is said to have lips of chen. That is, he can craft beautiful words that bring delight. Or a dazzling piece of jewelry is an ornament of chen. It attracts attention and favor. This is why chen is often the word used to describe a gift given with delight or favor. In these cases, chen could be translated as grace. Like in the story of Esther, who approaches the king of Persia to ask that she and her people be spared from death. She calls this a request for chen. And because the king delights in Esther, he favors her and grants her wish. So, giving a gift of favor is chen because it is motivated by delight. And the most extreme kind of chen is showing favor to someone who should get what they deserve, not a generous gift. Like Jacob, who cheated his brother Esau, ran away, and then after 20 years wants to come back and make things right. So he comes to Esau asking, may I find chen in your eyes? Jacob isn't asking for what is fair, but for favor. And surprisingly, that's what Esau gives him. He chooses to delight in his brother Jacob and show him grace that he doesn't deserve. Now, chen requires a generous spirit, which people sometimes have. But in the Bible, the one who shows more chen than anyone else is God. Like when God rescued the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt, and they quickly betray him by giving their allegiance to a golden idol as their God. But then, Moses steps in and asks God to consider giving a gift that they don't deserve. And God says, yes, by showing the ultimate act of chen, forgiveness and a promise to be with these people. This character trait of God is so reliable that over 40 times in the book of Psalms, people cry out for God's chen when they're sick or in danger or when the Israelites are in exile. And the biblical prophets like Isaiah looked back to God's chen in the past and boldly declared that God will one day show chen to his people by delivering them and all creation from death and ruin. Now, when we turn to the authors of the New Testament, they describe God's chen with the Greek word charis, which means gracious gift. Like when we're introduced to Jesus in the Gospel of John, we're told that Jesus is God's glorious charis become human, sent into a world of people trapped in darkness and death. Because according to the apostle Paul, we're like the living dead. God has handed humanity over to the destructive consequences of our selfish decisions. But Paul says, God is rich in mercy, and by his karis, he's rescued us. He's talking about how Jesus's life, death, and resurrection are offered to us as a generous gift of life that is more powerful than death. And as with any gift, all one has to do is receive it. So, Now you can see why the biblical authors talk so much about this description of God's character throughout the Bible. When people are willing to own their failures and ask God for chen, he has a consistent and generous response. God gives the gift of himself, his life and his love. And this is what it means that God is gracious.
0: So this whole concept of being gracious, is what is at the core of forgiveness. It's a beautiful concept to think about it with, with God's grace. To show grace to someone, to show favor towards someone. That it it's, means giving a de- gift of delight to someone, that you will delight in them so much that you will give them this gift that they don't deserve. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture, but it's also. A hard picture because if someone has hurt you the last thing you want to do often is delight in them right like you're upset with them you're angry with them this is is not something that, that is like oh yeah of course yep good this is a hard thing it's part of why sometimes like this bridge of forgiveness is actually kind of like a bridge that is raised up it's like okay I know God says I should be gracious to that person but I don't know if I can let that bridge down because I, there's a lot of hurt that's going on here. There's a lot of, of maybe baggage or whatnot. How do I, how do I deal with, with that? Well, there's something that our lesson tells us to help us in that direction. See, our lesson says to forgive as the Lord forgives you. Our lesson points us back first to how God has forgiven us. And while I might, he might in a quick read, of like, okay, God forgive me that way. No, I just need to really focus on, it, on now what, how I need to forgive like him. I want to encourage you to see that the point now is to drive you back to how God first has forgiven you. Because here's the thing, how can you forgive someone else if you don't have fresh in your mind how God has first forgiven you? Like, how can you see somebody else the way God does if it's not clear in your mind how God sees so what we need to do is go back and refresh. How does God see me so that I can begin to see others the way God would have me see them? So go back and think about it. When we think about our relationship before God, we have wrong God in so many ways, right? And we 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 just there's so many ways where we, we love God and then we go our own direction or we we, we don't cherish God the way we were meant to. We don't embrace this new life of faith. If you go through and you think about that list of all those things that God said said to leave behind, right? All that was quite a list, wasn't it? And I don't know about you, but I can go through that list and be like, yep, did that, done that recently, done that, done this thing. So much of it. Like, we just don't deserve anything from God. And yet we know that he has chosen to delight in us. Delight in us. You know it's this amazing thing I remember when it first like dawned on me that you know Jesus God doesn't love you because Jesus died for you God loves you what does John 3:16 says God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son God loves you and delights in you which is why Jesus died for you God delighted in you before Jesus even went to the cross it's a result of his delight not a prompt for it God Even when you're lost in your sin, even when you're stuck living in that that, that dark way, God delights in you so much that he says, I want you, which is why Jesus came for you. Jesus came for you because, and this is one of the things that's hard for us often with forgiveness, is that we recognize there's got to be justice for that thing that was done wrong. And the beauty of the Christian faith is is that that God doesn't want us to just dismiss wrongdoing. There's got to be justice. We know that. And what the world often does when somebody does something wrong is when they say, I'm sorry, the world will often, say, people will just say, well, it's okay. The, pr- the thing is, it wasn't okay, right? It was not okay. But the beauty of the gospel is that wasn't okay. It was so not okay that Jesus died for it. But now it's not on you. Because he died for it, it's not on you to punish anybody, it's not on you to achieve the justice. It's already taken care of. You can just focus on the forgiveness, on the grace. Because God takes care of the justice. You can say that that wasn't okay, but we get to be okay because Jesus took it away. See, God delights in you so much that he sent Jesus to pay the price for everything you and I have ever done wrong. So we could be right with him. So that we could have this free gift of new life. Lay your sins before God and go back to the fact that he is delighted in you and take in and receive the fact that Jesus is God's gracious gift for you. And then you can begin to be changed and receive the value of forgiveness. In this lesson, and while it might be focusing on us in many ways, it sounds like, okay, this is how I want you to live. When you read through this lesson, first I encourage you to see how God shines through in this lesson so that it can transform you. In that video we just watched, it talked about this verse, Exodus 34.6. We read it as our first lesson today, and I mentioned it's the most commonly quoted scripture in the Old Testament. That verse, if you look at our lesson today, every characteristic of God in Psalm 30, Exodus 34.6 shows up in our lesson today. Every one of them. Compassionate, compassion. Right? That's one of the mark, marks, mark, uh, key characters of God. Compassion, compassion. Gracious, well, that shows up in our word forgive that we have. Slow to anger, well, I would talk about how that be, word patience really is about being long-suffering, right? Slow to anger. Loyal love, we have the word love here. And then the one that might not seem to show up right away is the word faithfulness. Well, wait, where, where is that? Well, the word faithfulness in the Hebrew most literally means to be firm and to support remember that phrase, bear with one another, each other? Most literally means to support each other. It's the same idea. When you see these verses, the characteristics of God are coming out in them first. There's a couple other characteristics here, like kindness, humility, and gentleness. And you might think, well, so then where do those come from? Because those aren't in the Exodus 34.6. But when Jesus came on the scene, more of God's character was revealed. And if you think about Jesus, what are some of the great ways that Jesus is described? Kind, humble, gentle and lowly in spirit. When you see these verses, they are a reflection of God. And as we take in and absorb how they reflect God, then they change us. See, the value of forgiveness starts with receiving that forgiveness from God. Receive who God is and then that transforms you to love and forgive and to be gracious to others. I mean, look at how our our lesson wraps up. It says, well, the first verse, verse 12, said, therefore is God's chosen people holy and dearly loved. Then verse 14 kind of bookends it. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. This lesson starts with the fact that you are loved, and then it concludes now with love others. Loving others begins with being loved by God. When you receive God's love, when you receive God's forgiveness, it helps you put that bridge down. I want to encourage you, this week you're going forward, when you think about somebody who has wronged you and you're having that difficult relationship, often we'll think, okay, how am I going to forgive them? How am I going to get over it? I want you to set aside first the issue that you have with them and how to deal with that issue is actually first and foremost to start with where you've been with God. And to consider how you and I, we haven't deserved anything from God. Come before God and ask him for his favor. And then receive it. Receive God's grace. Let it sink in how much he delights in you. Because remember, how can you delight in somebody else if you first and foremost don't receive that God delights in you? how can you begin to see somebody else the way God sees you if you first and foremost don't remember how God sees you? Receive the grace of God. Receive what it means that he delights in you and he shows you favor. Receive what it means for you that God sent his son Jesus to be that gracious gift to set you right with him, to give you life for eternity. Receive that value of forgiveness. And then, Look at that person who you need to forgive. Have God change you to be a, a gracious person, and then you can begin to see somebody else from a gracious perspective. See how God sees you, and then you can begin to see others the way God sees them. Not saying it's going to always be easy. It's going to take time. Hurt and everything takes time. One of the things we learned during that testing season, right, that series, is that God often takes time. But the more we go back to how God sees us, the more shaped we will be able to see others, to embrace the forgiveness of that he has given us and now gives us to apply to others. One thing that I love to do too, that I find very helpful when I work with people who either not work with, that sounds like it's a church thing, I mean, interact with people who, uh, who have either wronged me or either I just have a lot of difficulty with this. One of the things I stop to do is, is not just to, I start with reminding how God sees me, but then I also remember that there's going to be a day at the resurrection where we stand in the same place and I'm going to be really happy they're there. I am, genuinely. And if that can happen someday at the resurrection, it can start to happen now. Because the resurrection power is also working in me today. So go back and receive God's grace. And let that make you gracious. And then you can live in the valley.